Uh, hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with director Robbie Walsh, whose lovely film, The Letters, is about three very different women suffering the consequences of the cervical check scandal. So this is your third feature. You have done Split and Eden. Um, so again, like you, they're very different films and very different themes. Um, but we'll stick with The Letters for the moment. Sorry, I'll, I'll kind of go back and see how they influence it uh, in, in a little while. But tell me a little bit about what was your inspiration because you wrote it. I presume yeah. then you have to get a, a great, like an unbelievable cast, some of Ireland's top performers there, very different backgrounds um, together to shoot. How did it all come together? Script first and then production. Uh, so you brought up Eden. Eden was my first film, but it went into cinema's second. And Eden is about the homeless situation. You know, when that film was going into cinemas, um, leading up to its uh, cinema release, it was dealing with obviously the festival circuit and little drips of news were starting to hit about what was happening um, to the women affected by, affected by the cerebral cancer scandal. And the more it was sort of in your peripheral or just kind of that noise in the background and so I don't watch much news but you would hear just more more and more and then the more I start hearing about it the more I start looking into it and I've said this a bunch of times already in interviews I became shocked but I was more scared because the kind of gravity of it really hit me um, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody out there right now like I'm not saying people you know these people are horrible that's what happened then and it's 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 the effects the knock-on effects of, of what's happening now it's more about the personal stories really than it is yeah. about the scandal itself and it's more about the impact which is a beautiful way to do it but like I <laughs> like I think as as a woman as an Irish woman as someone living in this state it's it was just awful so it's nice to see someone tackling it because I think there's an awful lot of politics where people are afraid to take things on yeah sorry for interrupting no so not at definitely all it was it was an earworm for you and and really affecting you because yeah it, it just it kept creeping in and kept kind of jumping into my face. And I, I remember there was a minute where my sister had walked into the sitting room with my niece and I was watching something on the news about it. And my sister just started talking. I can't even remember. She was just talking randomly. And then I, that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, what if she just walked in and said, this happened, what that happened. And then the more I was thinking about it, there was a, I had an image in my mind of um, it's a very faint, it's a beautiful shot at the end of the film, the bathtub shot. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. Um, I call it the death of Venus, but it's, it's based on the painting, the death of Ophelia. And I knew I was just going to have to construct the entire film around the ending to show that the death of the death of life itself is, is the you know the death of, of beauty of the caregiver of the of the the, the person that gives life. You know, and then um, I just was constructing it around that. And the more I read into what was happening, the stories, the different um, the different information that was coming out, I, I was getting ter- I became more and more terrified because you, you, now you just don't know. Nobody knows what are they really affected by something now or not. Like how do you, how do I not know? 
I've been told I'm super healthy. And then next week I'm going to be called in and went, sorry about that. You know, get your affairs in order. I think it's just such a historic problem in Ireland. It's it's because it's a women's problem. It's seen as a women's issue. I think for a long time, it probably was thought that they that there was a certain amount that you could get away with as an institution mm. as well, which is so frustrating. But you do like you you kind of tackle the systemic issues in some ways through one of your characters, because one of them is um, a survivor of a mother and baby home. Well, two yeah. of them. That's Kathleen and Anne, uh, Kathleen Warner Yates and Anne Russell, who play Mary and Bridget, who, um, yeah, so Kathleen, when we are putting Kathleen in the film, when I was putting Kathleen in the film, she's my old acting coach, and I was trying to figure out a way how to utilise her American accent, and her, well, her talent first, and then her American accent. So I'd sat and mulled over it for weeks before I approached her. And I just rang her and I said, Kathleen, can I meet you? I want to have a chat with you. And she's like, oh, hi, Robbie. I haven't seen you in such a long time. And I said, look, I'm putting a film together. Um, and here's what the character is about that I would like you to play. And I explained to her that, you know, you know here's what's going to happen to you. you. And your big problem is that you have a mum who has Alzheimer's and their American accent is going to be explained because you've been taken from her when she was a little girl and now you've come back to find her and you've spent some years together and now she's developed very, a very aggressive and progressive type of uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. We don't really tip on, on what exactly it is, you know. Um, then you find out that you're going to pass away before her and the, the dilemma of what am I going to do Who's going to look after her? Because we address another thing, which was the mistreatment of a lot of elderly people in homes. And we don't, we done that with just a simple shot of a, of a laptop. And that there's Kathleen. How am I going to get someone to look after her? my mum? Looking up this care home thing and then realizing maybe we can't leave. I can't leave her because maybe they're going to mistreat her like they did when she was a kid. Maybe they're not. But, and then ultimately we see what happens then with that story, you know. And actually just touching on all the stories, you have um, Mary Murray as well, plays the struggling mom in a lot of debt, which is very timely. And then um, another character that I particularly think is very interesting is you have a character, a high-functioning um, autistic woman, which is great because you don't see neurodiversity represented through yeah. women ever <laughs> ever so it's lovely to see it like on screen as well because I was kind of like at, at the very beginning I was wondering I was like oh okay that's, that's an interesting kind of choice and then I was like okay okay she, she's autistic that's again it's nice to see it being represented like that like she's very high functioning she's a kind of strong independent woman what kind of drew you to that storyline it's, I think it's, it's when I thought, I thought back to when I was young in school and even growing up, uh, as I was growing up and um, through life with the different jobs I had, there was always people like that, people who, who would be kind of always standoffish or socially awkward or just, there was always something where you would go, why is, why is this person so awkward around me? Have I done something to offend them or have I... You know, and you would find out years later it was 
what we would now call the spectrum. It was just the elements of the spectrum that you'd see somebody that would be constantly fixing things. And if, if you moved their pen on their desk, they would move it back and just try and keep it there and would instantly kind of become withdrawn and go into themselves. And there's more, far more of that. And we've witnessed far more of that. I mean, I'm sure I'm probably just a little bit older than you were. So we would have been coming up on the, the same like kind of doid almost what's wrong with that person or why is this person so standoffish just so I don't I can't be around with that person when in reality we're only learning about these these kind of things that affect people in just everyday life I'm sure women are four times less likely to be diagnosed with um, autism and it was thought for years that women were weren't autistic but it's just more so that all the studies were done in men and men present differently. So women yeah. are like, I would say if you actually did the stats and objectively looked at the population, it would be 50, 50. Yeah. But the fact is that women, all the, again, women are much better at masking um, social cues and, and masking social interactions. So they don't present quite the same way as men do. So I just thought, <clears throat> seeing this like it was just really really good to see because again I think even in mainstream television we're presented with the male version of autism which is very very different to the lived experience and it's the same with all neurodiversity like depression ADHD anything or any kind of any neurological disorder of any kind presents very differently in women so I I liked that to to watch it and I thought it was it was a very interesting choice and, and very refreshing it's 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 really nice to hear you say that. I mean, this the film, there's elements of the film is essentially or is it's essentially a Rorschach test in that people are gonna identify with certain traits or certain characters and and how they behave because they're they're kind of seeing that in them. I love clean a story. I just it's just I absolutely love clean a story. I love Sarah Carroll in the film. I think she's so poised and does everything with it by doing nothing you know um she she can just sit and and look at a clock and the camera won't leave her you know it's hard to cut scenes like that when when you have someone so brilliant and it's not to take away from mary murray i mean mary murray's performance is a roller coaster of a performance you know and the same with anne anne is so poised oh sorry um kathleen so poised and, and dignified in how she went about the performance. It's it's it was really, really, really inspiring to sit and watch them, you know. So tell me again about writing this script. So you would you as an actor yourself, would you what would your sort of method be? Would you sit down with the actors and workshop them? Would you uh, kind of sit away, lock yourself away in a room, get the script together and then bring people on board? Like, what's your process there? Yeah, so the script, when I write a script, what I do is I, I kind of base everything around whatever. If I have a scene for a character that I think is going to be very powerful, I'll start there. And that could be at the end, it could be at the middle. And I'll start building around that, what I think is going to be the most powerful scene for that character. So with Kathleen and Anne, the scene, there's a shower scene, and then of course the end scene, and I needed to build around them. So what I do is I kind of I write a script, but it's it's more of a blueprint. 
And what I love to do then is sit down with the actors and say, here's the scene I think I want to do. Um, I want to know your thoughts. I want to know how you would go through this and what you're comfortable and not comfortable with. And I mean, how far do you want to go or not go? And myself and Kathleen had talks and, and Anne Russell had talks at length with this. And Canna, uh, Anne and Kathleen knew each other so well because they worked together that they were completely comfortable and going away and they would ring me and say, listen, Kathleen Yates would ring me and say, I'm thinking about doing this and I'm thinking about saying this. And I would just say, Kathleen, do it, <laughs> do it. I'm going to video it, I'm going to film it. And if it's great, the camera will stay on you. If it's not, the camera won't. And we let it out. So that was it. And it was the same with Sarah Carroll. Um, the story with Sarah in the bath was actually meant to be Sarah walking out. So we wanted her kind of jogging and, you know, doing like, sit-ups in our apartment. But then it just, it, you know, on the day, we were like, this doesn't make sense. You know, it's, it didn't make sense. So we came up with it. We, we found a location, this beautiful bath. And I was like, right, here's what your character does. It's, it's the ultimate ritual for someone to like that, to try and calm their mind and just try and forget about the day or reflect on the day. And, and that was that. Um, so yeah, we, we workshop and then improv <laughs> through a constructed, uh, constructed improv script, I think is the best way to put it. <laughs> Brilliant. I didn't know easy fee for you um, saying that as well. So just with regards to the budget, um, putting this together, but I'm just, I always think it's, it's a real testament when people work and like what they can achieve when people work together and like the, the creative talent involved and, and kind of, I actually think that's a massive feat. So if, if possible to talk about that, that would be amazing. Oh, what was that word? Budget? yeah was what what's that what does that mean a, a budget oh we had very little very little anything we did have we were able to look after the actors and and the people on set um a lot of i drank a lot of protein shakes <laughs> um but how how i how i got around the problem of the budget was i saved some money because i knew i would shoot each story over three days so I treated each story as a short film so I would get enough money to make one short film or I'd shoot it for three days and then I have that footage so when I shoot say all of Kathleen and Anne's footage that's it I don't need to go and revisit that in two weeks and do continuity on it because I know I'm going to be editing and cutting and, sl and, and slicing it in and out of the film so then I save a bit of money and borrow some money or ask for a loan or do a little fundraiser. And then the next time, maybe two, three weeks down the line, I get the next story together and I shoot, say, Sarah Carroll's scene. And then I save whatever money I can. And a few weeks later, I shoot um, Mary Murray and the kids. And each was a three-day block and we would be spread out so we could get some money together and borrow it and do the odd little fundraiser here or there. You know, Brilliant. like when we were, we would go down at a certain time at the, to the supermarket uh, in Little because we knew the the sliced bread would be kind of half price for the next morning. So we'd be like, okay, we got to get to we got to get down to Little or Aldi or Dunn's because the bread that was seventy cents is now fifty cents, so we can get more of it. 
<laughs> so little thing, little things like that, you know. Yeah. And when was it shot? When did you shoot it? We got most of it in the can. I think it was literally we got most of it in the can maybe two weeks before lockdown. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, because I was just wondering with COVID and everything like that. And then, you know, you've like kind of like a range of actors that like it is there's they're, they're quite, again, the potted stories naturally. So you wouldn't, yeah. you know, have like a thousand people in a shot, which is probably easier. But still, that's. Yeah, I mean, there was an element of it where I was asked, do you want to we can, we can make this a pandemic thing? And I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. You know, there's enough going on in the film. We did shoot the opening sequence, though. There was a, a small window during lockdown where you could travel beyond uh, 5K or 10K or whatever it was at the time. And people could, a certain amount of people could go into a big enough space. Um, so we, we got a huge stage and we had one ballerina and we had the cameraman and myself, and then we had way over to the side of this auditorium was a stills photographer. And I think the person who owned the place was standing way up the back. So we were literally all standing there, like essentially in bloody hazmat suits to shoot the whole the opening sequence, which I, I, I loved. I loved the opening sequence. So we got that during the lockdown when we had the tiniest little window to get it, you know? Now distribution is kicking in. You have a cinema release at the moment. It's it's hitting swords now. When um, where can people watch it now going forward? So since last night, which and now today, it's in movies at Swords, movies at Dundrum, Odeon, Charlestown, Omniplex, Ratmines, Omniplex, Cork, Omniplex, Limerick, and the OE Cinema in Galway. Brilliant. For now. Great. That's some good, <laughs> that's some good, uh, that's some good kind of lovely spots, comfy spots yeah. for people to, to catch it as well. And all around the country, which is brilliant. And what's it been like watching it with people? Um, well, we did anyone who's worked, I've only watched it and I've watched it. I was at the premiere of it. Um, and then the next one I had, I went to watch it in my local cinema last night with um, some people. But anyone who hasn't watched it and sits down and watches it, it's 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 a strange one, like because people get they get upset, but more 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 than anything, they get angry, and they instantly sit they instantly start trying to discuss the film with me. What did that mean? And then you touched on this, and then you touched on that, and, and I love listening to it because it's it's nice that when people walk away, they can their eyes become a little bit more open, and they're starting to discuss it, starting to dissect the film and what what it was about and what who it affected and how it affected and I see them looking up on their phones going oh my god look at look at look look at this you know whereas for me it's just a personal almost a voyeuristic piece you know so again this is your third feature film now so you had Eden in cinemas then you had Split yeah uh, just what have you learned from each because I mean it's difficult like it's difficult to shoot a short that alone shoot feature without shit tons of shit tons of cash um so just yeah and and again like even getting them the scene is difficult and you've had uh, cinema releases you've had distribution which is in itself just like very impressive because again it's it's a tough slog like getting people involved so what would you kind of have learned from each feature 
so with Split, Split was a just a real thing. Split was a kind of a, a real social commentary on on how easily accepted violence has become in, in in Dublin and on the streets. And it's a mockumentary about two hitmen. But everyone who watched that first thought it was just this stupid, goofy comedy. But then when they go back and watch it, they realize it's has far more underlying meanings than anything else. I mean, we're addressing the PC thing of I'm offended by language. Well, a guy with a gun who doesn't care about the law, doesn't really care how offended you are. I think you need to be more offended by the knife or the gun that's sitting there looking at you or whatever's being pushed onto kids. But anyway, I won't get into that. So what I learned from that was it was a it was a very marketable film. And there are like it's a dark, dark comedy, but we didn't have the marketing behind it. I didn't have I didn't know how to go about actually marketing a film and I didn't know who to reach out to. Um no, that was my fourth cinema release, but it was my second film. So with Eden, um after Split had gone in, I was asked, Do you have anything else we can we could show? And I said, Well, actually I have this beautiful film about homelessness and I've been really trying to get something out there for for um the the charities. So we reached out to Dublin Sign Community and we put it in there and we, we get the box office to Sign Community. Um, and that got, they end up getting press. Now, I don't mean to say, oh, I used it to get press. That's, that wasn't my point there. It was just, I learned that you have to talk to people in a way that they want to be interested in going to watch a film. And the know? whole point of creating a film is to share experiences and thoughts mm-hmm. and ideas in a narrative format. Yeah. And the whole and like the whole purpose of it is in some way to get seen. So there's no harm if getting press helps it to get seen by someone, and then it might again, like you said, open their eyes a little bit or change their thought process a little bit. Like there's no, I know it. Like I kind of think it's funny because it's the author, it's the author versus yeah. the business, and there is a sort of need for both. Yeah, you know, no, like you do have to sell it in, in some ways, but then to get people to see it, to get people touched by the emotional arc of, of a character that they mightn't necessarily have thought that they would identify with. So no, you're dead, you're dead right. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean that, that was that was a putting it in cinemas, that was a big thing I knew that when I was coming to this one, I was like, right, we have to get eyes on the film and we have you know nobody would bat an eyelid when you know, the big Batman movie gets thrown in their face, you know, and, and it's okay. I'm a big fan of those type of movies. People don't understand that, like, these type of films, these socially conscious type of films that make no money have to be made and have to be put out into, into the, to, to keep these subject matters fresh in the conscious of the public. So other than that, they're just going to disappear away. I mean, if you showed someone Aaron Brockovich, they'll go, oh my God, I'm shocked that happened. I can't believe I want to watch Aaron Brockovich. So you have to say, well, you got to go and watch these socially relevant artistic films as well. I mean, you have to watch Shane Meadows movies. You have to watch Ben Wheatley or Ken, I mean, you have to watch Ken Loach, you know? And they're far more attuned to people to try and wake them up from what's actually going on around them at times. Making films from a technical standpoint, from my force when I learned, get good sound. Um, 
we had a problem with Eden trying to get the sound to match up. And then with, with Split, I learned, okay, how can I save money on my budget that I don't have and not get boom shots and get away with people looking down the camera, whereas if someone looks down the camera on a great take, the take's gone, can't use it, you know? So I was like, okay, we can make a mockumentary and how do we, what, what mockumentary hasn't been done that we haven't seen yet? So, okay, Hitman. Just, of course, Man Bites Dog is about a serial killer. It's very, very dark. And I said, well, I love that movie and I want to kind of do my own version because, it, you know, Irish always had, the Irish version has, always has its own little unique stamp on it. So that's when Split came about where I learned I had to just do something that I'm going to be able to get away with boom shots and mic shots and straight down the barrel and people tripping up or whatever accidental thing will happen. It's dark comedy that's a mockumentary so you can get away with it, you know, which was brilliant to shoot, you know, it was so much fun. Um, but then I realized when I was making the letters, I had to be far more on the game. Um, I really wanted to make something very special with it, you know. It's a tougher sell to get people to watch uh, drama than like a comedy people I think will automatically just go sure I'll, I'll sit down and watch this but it's sort of like you'll always get people go I'm not I'm not in the mood of watching something that's challenging do you know yeah that's that's particularly tough so you kind of have like a double issue to to face there um but again like you've some amazing performers in there that and some some incredible talents so obviously that's a good network of, of incredible performers that you have yeah, that are, that are willing to come in and work for Aldi sandwiches. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was lucky in that the art, the the actors, and the the everyone involved had watched Eden and Split, and are like that would be avid film fans and would love Ken Loach and Ben Wheatley or Fellini, uh, Goddard, and I'm not saying I'm not putting myself on a on a, on a pedestal with those guys, but. I think they wanted to create their own version of that type of film. So they knew they could get that if they walked on to walked on and helped me with mine because I'm I'm gonna give people the freedom to to be as creative as they want to be in, in the film, you know. Thank you so much for chatting with us and we can't wait to see your film. So um is there a website or a social media presence that we can follow? Um yeah, I mean you can follow the letters Facebook page or you can go on to IMDB and check us out there and give us a, a bit of a star rating or you can just follow me on twitter or any of the cast members on twitter or facebook perfect so so keep an eye out first it's in cinemas now but if you happen to miss it i'm sure we'll get its vod release very soon follow on social media and thank you so much again for chatting with us